0: Hello, this is Todd O'Brien, your host, and welcome to Evolve the Entrepreneur Mindset.
1: My name is Jill Ellis, and my superpower is taking care of dreams.
0: Today, I am super excited about my guest. She is an English-American soccer coach who was one of the few women head coaches in the business. She coached the United States women's national soccer team for five years from 2014 to 2019. During that time, she had an incredible coaching record with an 87.5 win rate. Winning multiple competitions and most notably the FIFA World Cup in 2015 and as recent as 2019. She became not only the first manager to win two women's World Cup titles in history, but also the first national team coach, men or women's, to have won two consecutive FIFA World Cup titles. Please welcome to the show Jill Ellis super excited to be here with you today. It's amazing the work that you've done. Just a lifetime full of accomplishments. So many wins, very few losses. I mean, (laughs) the records speak for themselves, but I know that doesn't just happen by getting up out of bed and waking up. It requires a lot of diligence. So really, thank you so much for taking the time. My pleasure. Happy to be here. I wanted to talk to you just about sports and sort of the mindset that is behind that. This podcast is about entrepreneurial mindset, but I see a really big parallel. Entrepreneurs have put a lot of grit and things into what they do, and so do people who play sports. Yeah. And you've seen this firsthand, and you also done it for yourself. So what are some of the things that you personally do to kind of get up out of bed and say, it's been a tough day, but I'm going to push forward and actually make this work? What mindset is required for that?
1: I mean, I think I'm just a natural competitor, yeah. Um, so if there's a challenge, it's, you know, it's not something to kind of get over. It's something to tackle. I think it's just yeah. how you approach an issue and a problem. And, and what I've learned over time is that if it's a challenge, it will make me better because it will force mm. me to be. So, you know, you could say it's um, it's a problem or you could say it's an opportunity. I think that's just an approach to, I just know in some of my toughest losses uh, have been my greatest learning moments. So uh, I think that's, you know, that's my biggest biggest focus and takeaway of of challenges and and problems is to to look at them as opportunities.
0: Yeah. I mean, it must also take a lot of sort of self-awareness in this type of role too, where you've got a lot of eyes on you. You're televised a lot of times and you have a lot of people pulling you a lot of different ways. And how has self-awareness sort of showed up for you in your journey along the way?
1: I think, yeah. I mean, when you go into coaching and you know go into head coaching, I mean, it's a first of all, just your approach to the career of what you're doing is you understand it's it's wins and losses. And so you just have to accept that there's going to be highs and lows. You know, mm-hmm. you're working towards something. Uh, you know, I think when you go into coaching, you, you understand that, you know, you're building something, you're putting something together. And I think why I love coaching is you can do all this work and all this preparation, and then you have to see it play out. And that's kind of the mm-hmm. adrenaline piece of coaching. It, you, all the preparation, you just don't know how the outcome is going to be. And that's the unknown. I think if I was, if I knew the result of a game before I coached it, I'm not sure I'd be a coach mm. because I truly like that part. And I think in terms of, you know, awareness, it's recognizing, you know, you could dot every I, cross every T, and yet there's an opponent on the other side of the pitch or on the, you know, the other side of the field sure. that that certainly wants everything that you want. And uh, I think I've just learned to... To navigate that in terms of, you know, first of all, making sure that the decisions and the, the focus, it's not going to be distracted by uh, a fan or a an opinion of somebody right. else. You have to stay very committed. And I think my self-awareness is that ultimately, only the people internally know everything that's going on into a decision. So... You know, fans and, and people outside of that and your opponents and they, they don't know all the behind the scenes stuff that goes into a decision. And then I feel very confident in that decision. And again, does that result sometimes in a loss or a win? Of course. But the reality is I feel I own it, you know, in terms of if, if it's, if it goes well, great. If it doesn't, I, you know, you're going to dig in and, and look more about it. But ultimately you, you make those decisions that you believe are, are going to play out.
0: Yeah, I think it's so great that your female coach, who has risen to getting this license, being able to actually take a team where we want them to go, which is win these cups and yeah. the FIFA challenges, so amazing. What's it like being in this role in a really male-dominated world? This is, I imagine, very difficult.
1: I, I was drawn to the to the to the job, uh, so there's a passion, and so I think when you you know, sometimes, especially when you're young, I think when you when it's when it's passion and you're driven by that, you're, you're willing to navigate anything, and you almost at times don't notice things, but you just push them aside because you're driven by by something greater. Um, you know, I think if I'd have looked at every time I was the only female in the room, or every time a referee would walk by me to my assistant coach, assuming they're the head coach, you can absorb that and let it negate you or deflate you. But I think mm. for me, it was. My joy and my pursuit was greater than anything that I was going to be surrounded by. Even in women's sports, we have a lot of male coaches. And, you know, I think ultimately, I do believe that as women, we are judged and viewed uh, differently. I think a, a, a male coach can be fired and within two months he's marketable again a female coach gets fired and they're branded as a loser or you know this oh, or, wow. or whatever and it's just it's a different and i think it's how we're socialized but it's a different way of measuring people when you look when it, at, at externally people measure women and, and men differently in terms of coaching yeah. um you know why that is i can't really explain the that but i think you have to have tough skin and you have to truly be driven by what you what you love to do yeah. to, to kind of push through a lot of these things
0: how do you charge up your team what, what do you what do you say to them what are some of the um, things you, say you know
1: about? i mean i obviously this last team you know the women's national team it was you know they're professionals
0: yeah
1: and they are paid for for, sure. for what they do and so it's different you know it's sort of different than a college team and right. uh, sometimes motivations can be different i mean ultimately it's there's such a high, you you don't take the US Women's National Team job without knowing that the expectation is to win and win the big prize. So you're going to attract or bring people to that environment that are as focused, as um, driven to achieve. The beauty of the players I was working with, uh, they are highly motivated and highly driven. And I think what you try and do as a coach is you have a very competitive environment. So ultimately, if you can't survive in the environment, you don't even get to the next stage of going out and now playing against an opponent. Right. So I think our, our actual environment and the culture of the team is, is such that you don't survive if you're not highly motivated and driven. So how do I motivate my players? They want to put on the jersey, they want to compete and they want to win. I mean, yeah. it's just, again, it's part of their internal makeup and part of the environment that you create.
0: And probably really exciting to work with those kind of people who are so driven.
1: Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, they're... Um, you know they're elites and then they want to, the thing about elites and it's in business it's it's i categorize elites as people that are constantly looking for what's next so you win a gold medal you want to go achieve something else you climb mount everest you want to climb another peak it's it's yeah. you know the people that just consistently wanting to evolve i think those are people yeah. that are driven and motivated so are those the people that I'm drawn to? Yes. Am I of a similar ilk in terms of saying you're never satisfied, but you're then looking for the next challenge? It's kind of how I'm wired, and that's yeah. how I think I got into coaching.
0: Yeah. Hello there. It is Todd and Maddie. Hi. What are we talking about today? Talking about Shea Boom Audio. This is a cool place. This is where we recorded a couple of our episodes. Yes, this is a very cool place. We have been. We ate breakfast tacos. It's incredible. It's in a local Austin-based studio, a historic one called Tequila Mockingbird. And Shea Boom is an amazing uh, place where they record pieces of audio that did not work well in the movie filming. Yes, that is right. And if you go to their website, you might actually think you accidentally went to imdb.com because there are so many movie titles there. All of which Shea Boom Audio has worked on. So if you need a great local studio with an awesome set of engineers, check out SheaBoomAudio.com. I I love your story of how you actually got into playing, you know, football, soccer. Could you just share with us a little bit of your journey?
1: Yeah, I mean, I I grew up in England and so I think it was almost 15. My parents uh, made a decision to move. To the states and growing up in England at the time, there's no you. Were, there's no English national team. There's no teams for girls or, mm-hmm. or women. Uh, it was way back in the day, and so I would play with boys all the time. But I loved the sport, and when it, it wasn't until I came to this country that I had an opportunity to now join a team and put on a jersey and kind of formalize the passion that I had into yeah. into a into an organized game. And you know, I just loved it, and it's <laughs> I, you know, soccer has been part of my lifeblood you know my, my family I think growing up in England it's part of your culture in terms of being a football fan a soccer yeah. fan and I was lucky enough to pursue it as a career it wasn't my intent when I started but it certainly um, I fell into it and yeah it was a, it was a wonderful gift
0: what, what sort of setbacks do you feel like you had or pressures that you had um, moving into this
1: yeah. I mean, I, I, had the, I had the good fortune of being an assistant with this team. And so when you're there, you, you see everything, you know, you see um, not just the players, but you see the culture, you see the expectations. And so when I took the job, it wasn't going in blind. I mean, you very much knew what you were going into. And I have a firm belief that everything, you know, when I took the job, everything that I'd experienced at that point had prepared me for this moment. And uh, so it wasn't going in thinking, oh, this is, you know, it's going to be a a low pressure job. It's it's exactly knowing the environment, but I felt I was ready for it and built for it. So there's always, there's always tough moments, you know, the the loss in 2016, the Olympics was a, was a hard period, but I actually believe that that failure, that was the catalyst for last summer's uh, success. Yeah. Because I think when you, when you experience failure, you have to take a hard look. And uh, we knew we had to, uh, find more players, modernize the team in our tactical uh, understanding and fluidity and uh, and grow. And so I think it was, mm-hmm. you know, looking back, it was potentially the best thing because I think it, it forced us to, to evolve.
0: Yeah. It's such a beautiful picture of even how a lot of entrepreneurs are They're in the same boat. They're trying to pivot. They're trying mm-hmm. to figure out where they take their business. Yeah. And there's a lot of entrepreneurs out there who are really sort of in this same uh, place, yeah. What what in, what advice encouragement would you give them?
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, it's funny. Sometimes parents would come up to me, oh, you know, how does my kid make make the national team and yeah. win a gold medal? And you know, sometimes people will sort of say, oh, you got to dream big, right? And and <laughs> it, it's kind of flowery, but I think you have to persist. I think that's yeah. the the message. It's um, it's not if it's something if it's going to be good and and something worth doing, it's going to be hard. So it is persisting through. You know, for people in business, it's through the, the, probably the, the phone call that they hung, hang up on you, the, the, you know, not getting the contract, not meeting the profit margin. It's, mm. it's just staying, staying the course because, you know, I think your, your commitment to follow through is, uh, is probably been one of my greatest assets in terms of coaching. It's, it's staying in the game. It's staying in the moment. It's pushing through the struggle.
0: You're such an amazing woman and super inspiring. How do you stay inspired? Who, who are the people who inspire you?
1: <laughs> I mean, I you know, it's been kind of crazy because actually since since the World Cup, you know, I've, I've had the good fortune of being, being able to meet people outside of what I do, right? Yeah. Outside of sport out, or outside of soccer and outside of sport. And I have just been so blown away uh, by other things that people do, you know, by the yeah. passion people have. For the for the professions they're in, you know, I've just met people that are, you know, I'm in sport, but I've seen people as passionate or risk takers or bold thinkers mm. in other sports. You know, the president of my my alma mater, uh, she's um, first president, female president, and my alma mater is the second oldest school in the country, and now they have a, a bold leader and a female president. And having conversations with her and seeing. Her challenges, her her beliefs, her pursuit of excellence—like those—are things that are inspiring to me. I, of course, also have a have a daughter, and every day I'm, I'm kind of blown away by her her take and view on the world and ha- her interpretation and her desire to be a difference maker. Yeah, I think that's pretty cool. At fourteen, to to have a a plan or a desire to you know to make this place better. Oh my God, I didn't yeah. at that age. I was, yeah. <laughs> I, I was just playing video games or
0: something. You know? Yeah, exactly. So, Same here. But it's great. Just lastly, I'd like to just sort of talk a little bit about what you just said is, you know, you have your daughter, you've worked with teams and sport. How has your journey influenced you as a parent? And how has you being a parent influenced your journey?
1: Oh my gosh. Well, so my partner and I, we adopted our daughter. She was three months old and I always knew I wanted to be a mom. And honestly, the moment... I got Lily. No win was as amazing and no loss was as bad. It mm-hmm. truly gave me perspective. And, um, you know, I think that was, it was important because, you know, as a coach, you, you just live on this roller coaster, you know. Yeah. And it was suddenly like, okay, this, this is what's really important. Yeah. You know, that, that's a game. Yeah. And <laughs> this is what's really important. So I think it gave me 100% perspective uh, on what it is that I do. Her, yeah, I mean, her influence, how has she influenced me is clearly it's given me perspective. How is being a parent, you I know, mean, one of the things I realized as a parent, I think the greatest gift you can give your kids is self-esteem. Mm. You know, I think it's something that, you know, we think about giving them an education and, and, and all these things, but how they feel about themselves, having them feel positive. You know, looking back at my own career, my own life, that's, you know, that's the moments that I think are so incredibly important for young people to to take away from the caregivers, whether it's their parents or the people that raise them, people around them that support them. I think helping them grow and develop their self esteem is is the best gift.
0: I love that. I love that so much. Well, thank you so much for taking My the pleasure time to do this Thanks with for having me you. and I really appreciate it. Thank Thanks you.
1: Thanks a lot. Take care.